it's not going to be an immediate thing that you see an ROI from. It's just like you need time. You need time to have members. You need time to build up programs for your members. You need time to figure things out. You're going to learn. You're going to iterate. It's legitimately like building another company within your company. You're listening to Content Logistics, a podcast for B2B marketers looking to build a content engine that drives revenue. In each episode, Camille Trent interviews the marketers behind the best content marketing flywheels and uncovers the tactical aspects of content production from first draft to first customer. Hello, B2B marketers. Welcome to another episode of Content Logistics. I'm your host, Camille Trent. And this episode is brought to you by Tristan and Justin over at Motion. They are a full stack B2B podcasting agency. And their whole purpose is to help B2B marketers like you, like me, launch podcasts, repurpose those podcasts, produce those podcasts, everything on the back end that you might not be able to do so that you can focus on the interview, the customer, the audience, all of the actual marketing you get to do, and they will take care of the production. So highly recommend them, have worked with lots of agencies over the years, and I do still think that Motion has the highest quality and they're really just super easy to work with. So check them out. Today our guest is Joel Premack. He is the social and community specialist at Lattice. He's also an advisor at Charla and the co-founder of Revenue Era. I wanted to bring him on today to talk about communities. What even is a community now? <laughs> what is the definition? Do we need them? And specifically, if you are a SaaS company, when and why a community? Or should you? Let's get into it. All right, Joel, welcome to the show. I feel like this is a long time coming. For people that don't know, Joel is one of the co-founders of Revenue Era, which is like a, a new marketing community and community community, I suppose you could say. Since Joel is a community specialist over at Lattice, he's also the uh, advisor at Charla. So he's a busy guy, uh, as we've been talking about before the show. And uh, Joel, what else do you want people to know? There's not really too much to know, honestly. Based here in Chicago, and have now been in community for coming up on three years. So very excited to be here and to have the opportunity to be on your show. Thank you. Nice. Oh, I did forget one. So also do a podcast on like community led growth too. So that's oh basically gosh, what uh, that this too. show. <laughs> well, it's okay. Cause we're going to basically recap those whole learnings in this podcast about community led growth. What is it? How do you get it? So first, uh, let's just talk through the problem, right? So the problems are there was marketing-led growth, there was product-led growth, there's sales-led growth. There's all different types of growth. Everybody wants it. Everybody's trying to grow their revenue. Everyone's trying to get, get more leads. Everyone's trying to grow, essentially, right? So what I want to understand in this show is when does community-led growth make sense? When should it be like a, a big piece of your pie? You know, who, who is it best for? So first off, let's define it. Like, what is a community? <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like nobody uh, nobody knows this answer. And so let's try and get down to the bottom of it. Yeah. So the way I kind of describe a community, especially a successful one, it's less of what you actually see and more how people feel in it. Because if people feel safe and they feel comfortable sharing, then you're going to see those elements of high engagement. You're going to see those elements of people attending your programs. You're going to see those elements turn up in your content, whether you have a podcast, whether you do blog posts, et cetera. People are going to be open and happy to 
participate in it versus if they feel unsafe or unsure or any sort of like negative or uncertainty associated with your community, then you're really not. It's going to be hard to get engagement because who wants to participate in in an environment or place where you don't feel safe and comfortable sharing? Because if you're going to be in a community, most likely you're there to learn and it's kind of hard to learn if no one's sharing. So Nice. I like that definition. So would you like describe community as a place like is community a place not really i mean i don't no, tell me more. necessarily think about it as a place i think i lean into it more as like a feeling i think the place of like where it happens can really differ especially when you talk about it in like a b2b excuse me environment i know sprout social for example they have a thriving community built on a facebook group that's amazing and now recently they just launched an actual platform associated with their community then you have like zoom info who launched a community it's a linkedin group who's done a linkedin group community in the last two years three maybe even like i can't remember so i dove into this during my conversation with caroline salas over at zoom info yeah i would go for it less of a place and more that like feeling and environment that's created, I think the actual place of where it happens, whether it's Slack, Facebook group, LinkedIn group, a more sophisticated platform like inside it, discourse, discord, etc., matters less. Nice. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify about that for folks. Cause I feel like when people are looking for a community marketer or looking to build a community, they're like, we need a Slack channel, right? Like that's the definition, right? Is like, we need a Slack channel. We need a Facebook group. It's the where, right? Like before the feeling, but by your definition, it makes a lot more sense because when I go to existing kind of like community sites, right? Like any social site really is that you can have like micro communities within there, right? You can have like marketing Twitter, right? Like you could say that's a community and it's not really a place so much, right? Like it's just can you easily like find and feel comfortable around other marketers like within Twitter? And then on LinkedIn, I think about, you know, some of the best creators out there. So like, and what I'd kind of call like community creators in some ways, right? Like the people that are kind of have this open dialogue of like discussion uh, rather than like a, a lecture, right? So like, are you more of like a lecturer poster or are you more of like a uh, moderator, right? Type poster. So any thoughts like on that about like bringing community to social? I mean, I definitely think it exists a hundred percent on social, just as like you said, for marketing Twitter, for example, perfect. Feels like a community in every sense of the way that like you want your community on Slack, Discord, etc. to feel. It's exactly like what it is. People talk about all sorts of things related to marketing on it there there's a ton of people people use the hashtag to like keep their posts like within the community so it's getting that like group and network effect so i would say yeah and it happens similarly on like linkedin too like you follow who you want to see content from you engage with those people people if they're a creator hopefully engage with the comments in their post so it does become more that discussion based because i think that there's a really big difference in terms of, I mean, just like how people think and perceive content and value. If someone's talking at you, kind of feel like you're being talked down to in a way. 
and no one really loves that feeling, I think. So have a conversation, make it friendly, make it enjoyable, celebrate other people, like allow and hold space for different points of view, because like, who knows, you can change and like have your opinions change. I certainly have from a LinkedIn conversation and like my learning and thought process has been expanded. So I'd say it can definitely happen there too. Nice. So you can see like there are obvious benefits to if you're a solopreneur, if you are just an individual looking to kind of build your personal brand of like expanding your network and kind of creating community or creating this like feeling of community with whatever you do, you can see the benefits of that. Now, like bringing that into the SaaS world, what are the reasons why a SaaS company should start a community? Like what's the why behind it? If my goal is ultimately to sell a product, how is community going to get me there? Yeah, I mean, I to steal or borrow, I should really say, the answer that someone gave me on my show from Remco DeVries over at Inside and Now Product Insight, he shared their three key ones are driving product slash feature adoption. So usage, essentially, which everyone loves. That's an important metric to a SaaS company. Next, AR and NR. So actual revenue. Love that as a SaaS company. And then lastly, CSAT, or like customer satisfaction and overall customer happiness. Those are all ways that community can impact the business positively. They speak to C-suite level pains and goals that they want to achieve. And so I think as a community professional, it's your job to like figure out which one, maybe two at most, you really want to impact through your community program at a SaaS company. And then how you're actually going to like make us program and make it something more tangible and not have like a Slack channel and think that, oh, we get people here and it's going to explode. It's not the reality. I am certainly here today, I guess, to burst that bubble for everyone who thinks that. So I'm sorry, but it just won't go well. <laughs> but to recap what, what you're saying, I think, uh, how I think about those three kind of goals are you either have one that's kind of more like product-based goals, right? And then that, that other one being more marketing sales goals with revenue. And then the third one being kind of more CS goals, right? And so do you think that based on those goals, those are the departments that should own the community? How do you think of ownership for a community? Who should own community? Well, I will say, I know companies that host it or like own it in all three of those teams. So in marketing, CX, whether it's on the customer support or success side, as well as product. So I would say it's less about who owns it. And it's, again, more about like their commitment to creating a space that people want to be in that's valuable, that's helpful to achieve like the mission that it's set out to achieve like for its audience, whether it's a community of practice, whether it's a community of customers or products, therefore, it really just depends. I honestly don't care who owns it. I think it's just more about the other things of like, what do your numbers look like in terms of engagement? Are people active? Do people engage with you and want more and give you feedback? Because then that shows that they're engaged with you and kind of are bought into the shared mission that you're trying to like rally people around for the community. So I would say 
it can live in any three of them. I don't personally care or think that there's a huge preference or difference between them. I think it's more important to focus on like the goals, making sure that people are executing upon those goals and in a way that creates a safe, inclusive environment for people to have those conversations, to connect, to learn, to grow, to advance their careers and whatever else their hopes and dreams are for joining the community. Yeah, I like that answer. One thing it made me think about is regardless of whether or not you are a CS software or you work in CS, like CS is a huge factor in whether or not people are going to buy your software, right? And so, you know, whether or not that's your job title, that is your job, like as to make your customers successful, right? And so if you have a community, like that's like one way that both marketing and product and and CS and sales, everybody can just like work together to make that customer successful or just like to make that person successful, whether or not they're a customer or not. Like it's this idea of buying into making people successful, right? Making people successful, like within the category that you're championing. Yeah, I would say to a degree, for example, at Lattice, like our community resources for humans, there's one no one pretty much really outside of a handful of people from Lattice in it. And it's intended that way because it's a community of practice, meaning that it's for HR and people ops practitioners to have a space where there is legitimately no selling. It is one of our code of conduct, like points. It's strictly enforced. And it's something that our members, when we're co-creating, our guidelines and our code of conduct like explicitly wanted and so that's a result of it is that people of course may talk about lattice but we don't bring it up and so it's one of those things that like when you're in a community the vibe of it (laughs) and i know i'm using that like vibe or environment and feeling like these more like intangible words but the vibe is like a thing you can feel it it's part of it so i'm just gonna like lean into that and get past that but i think that it's just really important to say like if you're in a community of practice then you have really different goals than sales like there is pretty much no real like shared goal than the potential for someone to convert from a member to a customer and like go through the sales cycle, maybe you'll count that as like community was a touch point on their journey. Sure. But outside of that, like you're not really going to, you're going to just have a different experience. Similarly, like to a community of product or customer one, you're not going to have product people or CS or CX members like in your community either. And that's same for us, at least. So I think that in that case, it really just depends on like the goal of it and then who's actually in it to support those outcomes that you all like set out to help your members achieve. Because if you are doing a community product or customer one, I would imagine it's pretty hard to be successful if you have no one from product or CX in the community to support your customers when they have questions about your product or anything else versus like us, why would they need to be in there? There's almost no reason. 
that's not what the community is intended for. So it's just a completely different like purpose. Nice. Okay. That's a really helpful example. So going back to those goals that you mentioned, like those three goals, does the Lattice community like roll up into one of those goals or is it kind of a a separate thing entirely? How would you define the goal? Yeah. I mean, really the mission of it is to help our members navigate the new world of work together because it's just evolved so much in these last few years alone before even the five years or so before when remote work was starting to kind of creep in a little bit and people were starting to talk about four-day work weeks. But now it's like here, things are different. People want to be digital nomads. People want to work in countries that are halfway around the world in different time zones for three months out of the year. Like it's a completely different field today than it was. So that's really the mission. And so that centers everything that we do for the community around our members and helping them be successful in their roles, grow professionally versus one that is around product or customers. So that's really our mission and goal of it. Nice. Cool. Well, I think there's plenty here for people to buy into community or at least understand community, have an example of how it works. So I want to get into some of the logistics. So logistics being the when, right? Like when does a community make sense for me? And you talked about it in terms of some prereqs being alignment, right? Like you, you needing that alignment between the revenue team, between product, CS, like all of it to really do one of those goal-based revenue goal-based like type communities that you'd mentioned before. It sounds like there's a way to do more of like a, a marketing style community. It's a little bit more like a, what Lattice is doing even without that product or other team support. So that could be another way of going about it. But what are kind of like some prereqs that people need in place or companies should think about before starting that community? Yeah. I mean, I think one is what are like, what's the goal that you're trying to achieve or like impact? Next is what makes sense for you today and in the future? For example, super early, companies like Gong and Dooley and Outreach and Sendoso, Alice, Chili Piper, etc., Y'all have achieved like community-like growth, I feel, and would probably argue by sponsoring third-party communities like Pavilion, Sales Assembly, Rev Genius, RevOps Co-op, etc. So I think that that's like one way of you're learning more from an existing community. Yes, you're spending dollars in terms of sponsoring it, of course, don't get me wrong, but it's not the same as actually owning it. It's not the same as being responsible for it, the maintenance, all of it. So that's, I would say, like one way to go about it. There's the community of product or customer one that I touched on. And then there's also the community of practice, which we are at Lattice. So I would say it's then figuring out, like, tying your goals, figuring out where you are today and, like, what makes sense for you today. And then where in the future should things continue to go well for your business, for your current community program that you decide to go with? Like, where do you want this to grow into? And I said Gong earlier is the one that leaned into sponsoring third-party communities. In the last year or so, they rolled out their own community. 
they actually have two. They have an open one and they have one for customers. So like you can have all three to a degree. It just is like, where do you want to start and going there and then learning and hopefully it being a positive force multiplier for your business. But once you kind of get those higher level things set, I think next it's around like finding that full-time person who's going to be responsible for the community program at your organization. It's allocating a reasonable and responsible budget towards it. It's giving them appropriate amount of time because like think about SEO. I'm going to steal something from SEO. Do you see SEO efforts pay off in a week, two weeks, a month? I would probably say no, but I'm no SEO expert, but I don't think so. I would say like, you would probably know more since you're in content. Do they? No, no. I think like uh, at most like a month, like you can, you know, start seeing like things rank. You can kind of like see what to expect kind of like from some things, but you know, three months, you know, is typically like kind of like aggressive for like results. And then usually SEO companies like give themselves like six months to a year. Right. So there you go. Treat it like that. It's not going to be an immediate thing that you see an ROI from. You do it for SEO, do it for a community. Not hard, not a lot there. It's just like you need time. You need time to have members. You need time to build up programs for your members. You need time to figure things out. You're going to learn. You're going to iterate. It's legitimately like building another company within your company, except smaller. That could be yeah, bigger. There's like, there's so much to unpack there. So I'll back up to kind of like those examples that you mentioned of basically borrowing a community to start, right? Paying paying a premium to kind of like borrow a community, but it only works if, like you said, you're looking to do that to learn, like rather than to like immediately capitalize on on that and, and try and see those returns like right away, right? So obviously, you know, it's not like you should say no, like to those opportunities too, uh, treating it like the sacred sort of like community that it is, right? Like don't sort of like rock the boat there and try and, you know, pitch people cold, right? Within a community. Yeah, um, I mean, so you're a guest. Starting there Think for- about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it, right? So like if you're invited to a dinner, right? If you're invited to a community, even if you're paying for it, like it's just like not what's expected and like what's good, you know, what's just like the, the right manners good to have etiquette. like have at a dinner, right? Like etiquette, there's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Like what's good etiquette, yep. right? At a dinner, like apply kind of like the same sort of common sense to a community. So yeah, so starting there with with community to try and learn to like see what are what are these people about? Like if it's not the industry that you work in, for instance, it can actually be like a really good way to understand your audience, right? And to understand your customer better so that you kind of set up your community the right way. Uh, If you really don't understand your customer or don't understand the audience, you're probably not going to be able to create a good community around that, which kind of leads me to our second point of, you know, like Refine Labs talks about content-led community. So I want to get your thoughts on this of, do you feel like you need a, a point of view and just content in general to kind of like get those conversations started and to like build the community the way you want to build it. I don't know. I mean, I definitely know two companies for sure that I would, I mean, on my show, they talked about how they use community to grow their total addressable market or TAM, which is extremely, I think like probably the coolest thing you can use community for. But I think that 
Content led growth. Hmm. I don't know. To a degree, maybe. I'll give it a solid two degree, maybe, <laughs> which is not a solid answer at all. I'm sorry. No, no. As as I'm digesting it, I feel like there are two ways, and usually they are blended, kind of like two ways that you can sort of like build a community. And one is like through kind of like you share your point of view on like what you think is broken in the world. So I'll give again the, their example of stop doing lead gen, start doing demand gen, right? Like to yeah. oversimplify it, you know, that kind of worldview. And then you start attracting, you know, people to your community that support that worldview, right? That are like, yes, like, like finally someone said it, right? And so you kind of build like a community like around that. And there, there are plenty of like other examples, but then there's kind of like this other route that you could take, which is nice because you don't necessarily have to have that point of view figured out right away is like, you can just educate people. Like you can just like, like you said, help people grow in their careers, like help answer the questions that you can answer, you know, still have those experts kind of like talk to one another, but you come in as an expert as well. And you just create like the space, like where people can just like learn. Right. And you're just like, yeah. we're here to help you. So kind of just two different ones. And usually they kind of blend together, but any other thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think the latter on that one, especially, I would say it's less so even about you being in the conversations except to like either connect people who you know share that interest or might be able to answer that question or share advice insights etc with the person and the other kind of piece is like share content that you all have like saved if you do either from like past conversations or other resources that you think may be helpful to the person to like add value otherwise like i would almost say it's best to just like stay out of it like if you're in a community and you have to like force everything is it really a community or just like a giant q a or slash ama i guess with everyone ama <laughs> i don't know so i'm just saying but i think that if you're like leaning into the idea of you have a specific point of view. You mentioned Refine Labs. I'm going to steal outreach slash sales hackers one of they talk about this idea and kind of persona of a revenue innovator. That's like what they evangelize essentially through their now a few years ago acquisition of sales hacker which is a media and community company. And now like that's actually how they continue to grow their TAM is through that program and strategy behind sales hacker. And yeah, I mean like they did that game site. Another one, they were like 300 or so customer success professionals, professionals, not companies with customer success teams. 300 or so customer success professionals in the world when Gainsight first started, according to my conversation with Nick Meta, CEO of Gainsight. And that was like what they had to evangelize was this whole idea of customer success being proactive instead of reactive, which is support. And so now they've grown it, of course. They've had wild success and just acquired Insided earlier this year. So it's very exciting to be part of like that journey and to be able to watch it. But I would say that when you're talking about like higher level things and points of view, yeah, it's definitely important to have a point of view 
that you think is unique and actually is unique in the marketplace and create a space like for those people who are like, yes, where have you been all my life? I need to be with people who are like me, who believe in this, who are championing this at their company and going through these pains. That's part of why like the POCUS community for product-led sales has been so successful because who's talking about product-led sales in such a wide space? It's kind of like a subcategory or a mixture of sales-led growth and product-led growth. And that's like the community that they've built. It's a wild in there. It's such an active, vibrant community. And it's built on Slack. Like they're doing such amazing work. It's built on Slack. Like it's still early in the game for them. And I'm so excited to see where they go. But you can tell that like there's excitement. People are curious about this conversation, about these topics, about these nuances. And like, what does it mean at different stages of your company life cycle to adopt and transform into a product-led sales company? Like there's so many things to unpack that they have content and questions and engagement for years at this rate, probably even a decade or more like product-led sales continues to really like take stronghold in the market with companies that are now being purpose-built to support it. And then other companies that are not product-led sales or could be are adopting product-led sales as their preferred go-to-market motion. Yeah. Cause what it makes me think of is like Slack, like that is like, this is, you're talking about this vibrant, like community that's built on a Slack channel. So I think sometimes we overthink it and we think like, you know, we can't get started because we don't have a community person. We don't have technology specifically for a community. Right. And like you Slack is free to a degree, right. You could just start it up there. And I've been part of a like vibrant Slack community is like that too. Right. Like it doesn't take very much. Like it really is much more about the commitment as you said at the beginning. So the it kind of leads me though to this next question of resourcing. So you mentioned earlier, like, are you going to resource community right? And it felt like you've seen a lot of community team members or people that you've talked to that like aren't resourced like correctly, right? And so, what do you kind of think is the maybe bare minimum of like some of those resources that you need or should be thinking about if you are really serious about this? Yeah, I mean, if you really are looking to develop a program around community. I would say it differs a little bit if you're like super early stage, like Pocus, for example, it's going to be a different story than like a more established company, call it series A or series B. You've hopefully raised, I don't know, 30, 50, maybe more million dollars. Spend some of that, invest it here. Hire community professional or someone who's going to be an exceptional community professional and like learn the community aspects if they know the persona things. Like you can hire a practitioner as long as they're also a great communicator. They understand the value of community. They can learn, they can grow, they can think of strategy, they can do all those things too. You can hire from that pool too. Gainsight did. They hired Seth Wiley as their customer success ops person. Then they asked him about how he like about changing his role to now lead the community like function at Gainsight for customer success operations professionals. 
like he's literally made the jump. So I would say like it's a viable option for you to like find that person is either side, but find the person, give them an adequate amount of time. Think about it. How would you feel if your program in SEO or content or whatever takes six months minimum, maybe a year or longer to show any significant ROI and you get fired or laid off or whatever in three months because someone's unhappy with you. It's like you have handcuffed or something like from the get-go. Like you couldn't get out of the gate. You had like an arm tied behind your back and like it just wasn't going to work. So don't be set up for failure in that sense. Make sure that there's like an adequate timeline that's agreed upon that people understand that like it's a long game it's not a short game it's not a two-minute game especially and i would say last he was like give it a budget it's going to need one whether it's sure you can go with slack for a free platform to host it great what about for events sure zoom what happens if your events take longer than an hour or whatever their free plan allows for invest something to support it whether it's like an email platform to like newsletters or reminders about the program like there are so many options out there but you're gonna have to invest in other things to support your community program you cannot just say here's slack and wipe your hands of it and expect a miracle think about it like a farm do you just like throw seeds in a field and not feed it give it water any of those things? No, you have to invest money to get money back when you harvest the fruit and the vegetables and then you sell it. It's part of the process. Community is like a farm in a weird way that I just thought about. No, I love that for, for the mic drop. I know, I know we're like wrapping up here. And so last kind of uh, thing though, I know you, you know, started somewhat recently, right at, at Lattice. And so I, I'm kind of curious to hear what you thought about for your kind of like 30, 60, 90 and what things you wanted to accomplish then and any advice that you would give, you know, someone who is stepping into a community role, how they can be successful knowing that it's a long-term game. Yeah. I mean, for me, one of my big things in joining Lattice and like part of my role was going to be taking over our events program. So I really like worked hard to understand current process around it, document a lot of things and then make micro changes along the way a micro change example is like creating a sauna template therefore i don't have to create all those subtests every time i do a meetup that's a monthly i just hit the template add in the name and wipe my hands of it move on to the next thing that i need to do or whatever else i think that there are so many things that you can like streamline once a process is like written out And then beyond that, it's so important to then understand like the goals of your program. Like for us, we have like a monthly variety of meetups and it's to help connect people who are either similar like persona, geography, or they're interested in a particular topic. And so with those, it's easy. You just create a space that they feel comfortable in and having those conversations and sharing challenges 
answering questions of their peers, sharing insights and advice. So there are things, of course, that like went into that, but that's like one thing that was in part of like my plan that helped me and gave me a lot of like clarity and guidance when joining was really understanding all the nuts and bolts of this program and how it ties into like our overall goal of the community of helping our members navigate the new world of work. What better way to help them navigate the new world of work than creating spaces for them to connect with their peers on their questions and challenges regarding work. (laughs) Like it's the most possibly like connected the dots like thing ever. Same thing for like just general engagement in community, whatever platform it's on like you're helping people achieve their goals as long as they're finding it like a valuable place. So yeah, I mean, those are some of like the big things that I focus on during my time, but also just like a lot of learning too. You have to learn and understand the space. You have to learn like the community rituals that y'all have. You have to understand and learn like active members, where things live related to the community, the entire community ecosystem as well. So there's a lot, but you can also focus in on things and like tackle things one bite at a time too. So it's manageable and you don't get burnt out. You don't get stressed. You don't get overwhelmed. Make it manageable for you, I'd say. Yeah, no, to summarize that, I think uh, systems, right? And even connecting other people, I was just thinking about this, connecting other people is like a system in a sense, right? You're making something like more efficient, basically, by like connecting a person who wants to know about a thing with the person who knows the thing, right? And you can sort of like facilitate those things. So, you know, making those conversations easier, making them happen, setting up those like processes in Asana, so you're only having to do it once and your job just gets easier and easier as you go. And I think it's so hard when you first start a a position, you're eager to prove yourself and prove your worth. And especially if it's not directly, you know, sales or like tied to revenue, for some job security, you kind of want to like get a win, but it's so important to understand the customer, understand your business and put those processes in place so you can have kind of that, again, long-term growth. So Joel, like really appreciate you coming on the show. I just want to take a second to let you tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah. So I'm active on Twitter at jpremec25, I believe. And then I'm also active on LinkedIn and feel free to check out my podcast that I host as part of my advisor role for Charla, the Camila Growth Show. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much wherever you listen to your friendly podcasts. Thank you, Joel. This has been a pleasure. I learned so much about communities. I'm going to check out all of these examples. I'll probably have to listen back to jot them all down, but uh, really appreciate you coming on. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Thanks for listening to Content Logistics. This episode is produced by Motion, a done-for-you B2B podcasting agency for busy marketers. If you liked what you heard, please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.